Good morning, church. Greet you all today in Jesus' name. Um, it's, an all, it's always an honor and a privilege to be among the saints of God uh, in this part of the vineyard. Uh, greeting the beloved, amen, Pastor Werner, the beautiful wife, Sister Ella. Nice seeing you all again. You're looking younger and younger as time goes by. Bless the leadership this morning. Uh, thank you all for allowing this platform to be opened up for me to just come and share the love of God with you guys. Um, I've got a new job as of two years ago, and uh, spiritually it's a challenge. Um, I'm a prison officer, and of course I'm working with the naughty people of our community. Uh, that's the ones that we lock away when they misbehave. And of course they're all angry, and they upset every single time. And um, myself and uh, my colleagues are at the face of it. You know, the man that killed people outside, he comes to prison, he gets locked up, and we've got to deal with such a person. And it's a bit of a challenge because you've got to treat him uh, as a human being. You've got to treat him uh, with dignity and respect. And of course, this is what Jesus does. He lets the light of Christ shine through you for such events. When you encounter such contradictory uh, personalities, the love of Christ has got to go forth and shine. And I thank God for it because it allows Jesus' love to permeate. Because that's the only thing I believe that can change our nation. It's the love of Jesus. It's the fact that Jesus Christ doesn't have his love hidden in a corner, but his love is made available for whomsoever, anybody, amen. And the job that I do uh, is at the forefront of that, and I get an opportunity to just uh, exact the love of Jesus and see what the results are. Before I continue, we're going to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. Everybody can hear me clearly? Beautiful. Beautiful. The love of Jesus. Um, it's been one of my challenges now, you know, over the past few years to just be in a place where uh, I'm able to just share Christ and not uh, in a condemning way, but in a way where we're aiming to pull them out of the muck and the mire and expose them to the light of Jesus that they can be changed and that they can be transformed. We all need the love of Jesus. Amen. If you're sick, you need the love of Jesus. If you're broke, you need the love of Jesus. If you're an unbeliever, you don't know God, you don't know Jesus, you don't go to church, you've got no clue where you're going to go to and spend eternity, you need the love of Jesus. If your marriage is in a rocky place, guess what? You need the love of Jesus. If you're backslidden, you are lukewarm in your heart, you need the love of Jesus. Society confuses us. They say you need money to be happy. They say you need a woman to be happy. They say you need a man to be happy. Uh, Hollywood says you need fancy clothes to be happy. You need a fancy home to be happy. No, you need the love of Jesus. There's no greater joy. There's no greater happiness except the happiness that comes when a human being makes contact with the eternal and powerful love of Jesus. Romans 8, 
37 reads like this. Romans chapter 8, reading from verse 37 down to verse 39. Um, I am reading from the old King James Version. Bible reads like this. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How you like that? Nothing, he says, shall separate. What does nothing mean? Who's a teacher in this place? Any, any teachers? Okay, now, who's the English speaker? Your first language is English. Pick up your hand. If you've been, okay, there you go. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, nothing means nothing. So when the writer says nothing shall separate us from the love of God, that's in Christ Jesus. He says zero. If it's a core accident, it cannot separate you. If it's sickness or disease, he says, it cannot separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If it's poverty, he says, no, not even poverty. Divorce, no, not even divorce. Hate, anger, no, not even hate and anger. Okay, rebellion, no, not even rebellion. He says, nothing, chains and shackles, no, not even that. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The one thing I know for a fact today is everybody in this place is going through something. We all got to face some kind of challenge. Our challenges vary as our faces vary. And guess what? In all that you are going through, in all that you are facing, in all that you are experiencing right now at this moment, in your sadness and in your sorrow, guess what? The love of Jesus, hallelujah, that permeates through him. That love is not made foreign to you. That love is available to you right here, right now, in whatever you are going through. In whatever you're facing, in whatever pain you feel, the love of God is made available to you through Jesus. Amen. We're going to read... Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 49. I'm going to just read through it very quickly. Luke chapter 8, verse 49. Bible reads thus. While he yet spake, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, My daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Verses 50. Jesus heard it, and Jesus said to him, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. I'm going to jump to verse 54. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. 55. And her spirit came again, and she arose straight away, and he commanded them to give her meat. What I've just read there is a portion of scripture that speaks of the death of a young lady. She was 12 years old. I don't know why she died. The Bible won't specify and tell us why. It says that she was dead. Her father, Jairus, is upset. He's all worked up. His daughter's dead. She's 12 years old. 
she still got a future ahead of her. You know, 12 years old is a very young age. So much potential there. But this child is dead. Her future is dashed. All hopes of her growing up to be a beautiful woman and getting married, living a lovely life, that's all gone. The family is depressed. The family is heartbroken. The family is sad. Who can help this child? Because we know death is complete. Death is a full stop there. We know that when somebody dies, there's no U-turn. You're gone, you're dead, we bury you, we eat the food and that's it. That's how it goes. However, we read in Romans 8, did we not, that it says not even death can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ happens to be in the area. Jesus Christ is informed of this young lady's death. This child is dead. Jesus says, what? They say, this child is dead. He says, well, guess what? We're not going to have a funeral for this child. We're not going to bury this child. Because, you see, Jesus Christ is life. And wherever Jesus is, he gives you life. Jesus Christ is a walking basket of hope. He's a walking basket of whatever you need. Whatever you can imagine that you need, guess what? It's all inside of Jesus. And when he walks to the left, he carries that hope and potential with him. When he walks to the right, he carries that basket of hope and all things possible with him. And when he is engaged, guess what? Jesus, unlike you and I, Jesus loves to share. Whatever he has, he loves to give it. Whatever is a part of him, he likes to make it a part of you. Whatever he knows, he likes to put it in your heart that you might know it. Whatever good he has, he's like, you know what? I've got all of this good, but I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to give it over to somebody else that they may also experience the goodness that I have. And so this young lady's life was not completely over because Jesus Christ was around. I know what you're saying, preacher man, what has this got to do with me? Well, guess what? Some circumstances that you're facing are like death. You feel that it's over. You feel that, you know what, I've, I've suffered so much now, I cannot experience no change. Figuratively, your circumstance makes you feel like all is gone and forgotten and death is present. But guess what? Jesus Christ is alive and because he's alive, guess what? Life is present. Hope is present. Opportunity is present. Change and transformation is present. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive and is willing to share his love with you. So I ask you again, what circumstance are you in that is in a figure death to you? Is it domestic? Is it financial? Is it spiritual? Do you feel dead spiritually? You don't pray no more? Don't read the Bible no more. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ is alive and he can revive that urgency in you to take up the cross and follow him again. As your finances perhaps dead, well, guess what? The Bible is able to teach you and transform you how in a holy biblical way to handle those finances and breathe life into them and let you live again. 
Is your family perhaps going down the wrong path? Well, guess what? God's word is able to revive and re-unctionize you to run your home according to God's ways because God is a God of family and his love is available for your family too. That love, not a hidden love, no. A love that's exposed, a love that is open. Anyway, Jesus goes to this house. He says, you know what? This 12-year-old child is not dead. She sleeps. Everybody is like, what? He says, yep, 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 she's not dead. She sleeps. He says to her, maid, arise. And guess what happens? She arises. Why? Because that's what love does. Love is like an action word. When love comes, love just brings life into your circumstance. Love brings life to your situation. Life, love is able to just transform you from the darkness into the light. And that child that was dead, that 12-year-old girl that was dead was now made to be alive because of the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And she rises up and he says to them, give her meat to eat. Hallelujah. That's what God's love can do for you this morning. Don't leave this place without the love of God. Don't leave this place without holding on to the love of God. Don't leave this place without embracing this love. You say, preacher man, what love? The love of God that's in Christ Jesus that comes to you by receiving Jesus Christ into your heart. That's how we embrace this love. When we say yes to Jesus, we in a sense embrace his love. When we say yes, Jesus, we'll follow you, we'll serve you all the days of our life, we in a sense hold on to him and say, Jesus, we've heard your love message and we embrace you and we receive you by receiving you into our hearts and living according to your word. The love, the love of God, not invisible, it's visible. It's able to change you and to transform you like it did that little girl. Hallelujah. We're going to look at the, the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Verse 3. In this lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. I'm going to jump to verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie there, he knew he had been now there for a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made Whole, wilt thou be made whole? Again, Jesus is walking. He's in Jerusalem. Now at Jerusalem, we just read there, is a pool. And around this pool are people that are sick. They're disabled. They've got whatever sickness you can imagine. They've got it. And they're all laying there. There's a whole lot of them. A whole lot of them. They're all there. And every year an angel would come and stir those waters, activate those waters, and healing virtue would be in those waters, right? And the first person to jump into that water was made better of whatever ailment they, they had. But it had to be the first person, you know, to hop in there. Of course, the line was long. So many people missed their turn. They were either too far back in the line or maybe their ailments never allowed them to get closer. I don't know what the reason was. 
but there was a lot of them who were not healed. Jesus comes along, Jesus can see this crowd, and he looks. And this is the amazing thing with the power of, 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 of love through Jesus. He sees this massive crowd, but in this massive crowd he sees one person and he notices this person and he recognizes the fact that they have been there for a long time. Don't you love Jesus? As he looks at our congregation here this morning, there's many faces, but guess what? Jesus Christ right now at this moment is zooming in and he can see you. He, he's, he's faded everybody out and he's just got your face locked in there and he's zooming in on you because the power of the love of God through Christ Jesus is able to lock into you uniquely to you, not to just everybody, but specifically to you. And Jesus stands there looking at this crowd, but he's zoomed in at this one man and he notices this man has been suffering here for a very, very long time. And this morning, God is, God is looking at you and God can see through the suit. God can see through, ladies, the mascara. He can see through your fancy hairdo. God can see through the, the lovely, sweet perfume you have on. God can see through the facade of it's all well with me. God can see through all of that and he can see into your heart because he's got that special eye to look in and know what the issue is. And he knows what your issue is. He knows what your problem is. Just like how he knew with this man. He had been there for a very long time. Hadn't met him before. But he knew this man had been there for a very, very long time. And the question is, but God, what about everybody else? Like, no, 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 forget about everybody else for the moment. He's zooming in at this man. I remember when, when we, we were young, we sang a song. It's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You know, some believers, oh, I wish someone was in church this morning to hear the message. no. It's for you. That's why you in this place. <laughs> it's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not the neighbor next to me. Not the neighbor on my left or on my right. But it's me and God this morning is zooming in on you. And he knows that you've been going through what you've been going through for a very long time. Your husband never noticed it. Your wife may not have noticed it. The pastor may not have noticed it, but God, he can see and he knows, he's noticed. You have been there for a very long time. And he says to this man, do you, I mean, how simple can it get? He goes to this man, Jesus and the man are talking. He says, do you want to be made whole? What a question. Do you, Johnny, want to be made whole? That's a yes or no question, I think. You know, yes or no. Later maybe, but it's a question that needs a simple direct answer. What does this man say? Oh, you know, uh, I have nobody to put me in the water. Whenever I come close to the water, somebody comes and pushes me out and, and they steal my turn. Doesn't that sound familiar? 
Doesn't that sound familiar? When God is challenging us to embrace his love and change some part of our life, suddenly we've got excuses. When God is trying to give you some kind of opportunity to change and transform, suddenly we open up our closet and we pull out all of the excuses that we have. The question to him was, do you want to be made whole? In other words, I've got all of the virtue you need to get better. Do you want it or not? No, no, no. Uh, well, well, Jesus, uh, I've got nobody to help me. You know, uh, sometimes they come, you know, when it's my turn, I go up and, 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 and they push me over and, 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 and then they cut me out and then I lose. Do you, this morning, want to be made whole? That's the question. Or, uh, preacher man, I'm, I'm, I'm too young, preacher man. You know, uh, I want to first live my life as, 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 like, as, as every like, other young person and, 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 and do the club thing and, and, and the drinking thing and the smoking thing and, and, and the drugs so my life can be fun and then I'm going to change. Do you want to be made whole? Well, preacher, you know, I'd normally, you know, keep my money to the Lord, but, you know, I've, I've, I've opened up a business now and I'm, I'm investing in other things now, sir, and... Do you want to be made whole? Well, preacher, man, normally I'd, I'd, I'd get healed if I came up for prayer, but, you know, I've got medical aid and, and I've got the doctors and, 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 and I've got this. Do you want to be made whole? That's the question. Yes, I do or no, I don't. No excuses. Jesus is standing and Jesus is saying, Here's every single miracle you can imagine. Here it is being offered to you for free. Do you want it? Well, guess what? When God's love is made available to you, the best thing to do is to reach out and take it. Jesus says to this man, you know what? Rise. Take up your mat and walk. Now, that miracle was a bit of a unique miracle because Jesus never touched him. He never laid his hands on him. He never got the disciples to help carry him on his mat. No, no, no. He says, you get up. You take up your mat and you walk. Do you want change in your life? Guess what? It begins with you. Sir, ma'am, it begins with you. For change to take place in your life, you have got to take the first step. You have got to rise up from wherever you are and Step forward and say, I want change in my life. Therefore, I will call on the name of the Lord. For change to take place in your life, you have got to say, you know what? These drugs are not good for me. I will put them down and I'll rise up and I'll follow the ways of the master. That's how it works. For change to take place, we have got to stop complaining, stop whining about what's not right, what's not correct, what doesn't meet your fancy or suit you. Rise up and be the change that you want. For change to take place at work, you've got to rise up and say, you know what, my lunch hour, I'll pray for ten minutes and witness for another five. For change to take place, you have got to make the move. For whatever God has put inside of you to be activated, you have got to intentionally engage it and let God do the rest. But you have got to get up from that bed. Bed symbolizes laziness. It's a symbol of lethargy. It's a symbol of compromise. A symbol of being lukewarm. The challenge to him was, 
You want all of this that I'm giving you? Well, guess what? Get up. Take up that laziness. Remember, the bed he was lying on for 38 years. Take that compromising attitude up. Pick it up. Take up that anger. Take up that attitude. Take up the back chatting if you're a young one at home. Take it up. And he says, walk. You have got to make the initiative because the love of God is free, but it's not cheap. That's the difference. It's free, but it's not cheap. It's not for the pigs out there in the yard to use. No. The love of God is a treasure to those who treasure it. But to those who do not treasure it, the love of God will act out a bit differently to you. But if you embrace his love, like I tell the boys at work, the Australian prison system is the best in the world, or one of. Prisoners are given every opportunity to change. They're given education, they're given food, they're given medication. It'll be quicker for a prisoner in prison to get a dentist appointment than you. <laughs> right? So when I speak with them, I challenge them. I'm like, you've given all of this for, for you to change and be rehabilitated. Now for this to work, you've got to take the initiative and make it work for you. It could easily spoil you and make you fat and obese and you can lay in your bed in your cell and be nothing. Or you could engage these lessons, educate your mind. Go to the drug rehab and, and, and the rehab programs. Go to the AAs. Go to uh, the services that we offer. Do all of these things. Apply it to your life. So when your five-year sentence is over, guess what? You can contribute to society. But what's the key? Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. It's not magical. Nah. You want to serve God and experience the good things in the Lord? Guess what you got to do? Rise up. It's on you. We're going to look at the book of Mark, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I'm going to read verse 52. And Jesus said to him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. Picture this. Jesus is walking down the road. There's a whole lot of people around Jesus. Everybody is trying to get at Jesus. He's got those that are trying to get at him to hurt him. There are those that are trying to get at him so we can teach them something. But in other words, he's got a crowd that's following him. There's so many of them. And not many people could get his attention. Jesus was always from point A to point B because he knew time is short. He's on a mission. He won't just stop and waste time with anything. So to get his attention was very, very difficult. You had to really put the volume of faith up. You had to crank up your faith to get him to stop on the road for you. This crowd is all around Jesus, and in all of that noise, there's this voice 
that is heard, shouting out for Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. He's trying to get his attention. And what happens is, the people around Jesus, the disciples and whoever was around Jesus, they stopped this man. This man is no other than blind Bartimaeus. He's got no vision, obviously. He's only using what he's got. He's got his voice. Jesus is back there, but he can't see. He's facing that way and he's yelling, Jesus, Jesus, stop, stop, have mercy on me, stop. The people come around, blind Bartimaeus, and they don't take him to Jesus as common sense would dictate. They don't say, okay, hold on now, uh, blind Bartimaeus, let's go. He's down that way, let's go this way. No, no, no. They tell him to stop. They tell him, in other words, in layman's terms, to shut up. You are annoying the master. The master is busy doing his father's work and you interrupting his process. Keep quiet, blind Bartimaeus. But see the love of God. The love of God is that powerful that not even people that come in the way to block it from coming can stop it. The people that would scandal about your name, the people at work maybe, who try and prevent you from going forward, the people at home, your neighbors, whoever it is that is anti-you, society as we know, that's against the church, all the laws that are coming up now that are against the church of God, all of these things are not strong enough to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus because Jesus stops when he hears this. He stops dead in his tracks. And guess what he says to him? What do you want me to do for you? Again, I present you with this question, church. What do you want Jesus this morning to do for you. Unlike that man that was sick for 38 years, blind Bartimaeus, he knew what he wanted, pastor. You know what he says? That I might receive my sight. I beg of you, church, this morning to be as smart and simple like blind Bartimaeus. You tell Jesus what it is that you need him to do for you. What do you want me to do for you? He says, that I might receive my sight. He receives his sight, and guess what uh, Jesus says to him? He says, go thy way, your faith has made you whole. This morning, the love of God, that's in Christ Jesus, and faith mixed, makes up, performs a miracle. The love of God and your faith performs signs and wonders. The love of God and your faith will give you that breakthrough you've been waiting for for a very long time. The love of God and your faith will set your family free. The love of God and your faith will set your finances free. The love of God and your faith will get your sins washed away. You'll be forgiven and you'll be headed to no other place than heaven itself. The love of God and your faith mix will make the impossible possible because God is not a man that he should lie. When he gives you his love, embrace that love with faith and the blind eyes are open. When he gives you that love, and you embrace that love, the dead are risen up. When he gives you that love, and you embrace that love with faith, guess what? Doors that have been closed become open. Because God is not a man that he should lie. What do you want me to do for you? Notice, blind Bartimaeus was a beggar. 
he was blind. He was used of people doing things for him. But when he identified by hearing that the Jesus of Nazareth is within close proximity of where he was, he took initiative. He never seek for nobody's help. He never asked for this one to help me. He used what he had. He had nothing else. He had no money to give. He had no fancy clothes. He had no fame. He only had his voice that was working. He never had a sense of direction either. But he had that voice. So I ask you this morning, what do you have? That 1% that you have, what is it? That one good thing that you can do. What's that one thing that you have? Take that one good thing and give it to Jesus for his attention. That one good thing you got, that glimmer of hope, you've just about given up, but you got that 1% of hope, give it to Jesus. Hallelujah. And he'll give you that breakthrough. I'm going to close very shortly. I'm going to read one more. One more verse. One more portion of scripture. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 and verse 26. And when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out because they were afraid. But straight away, Jesus spoke to them and said, Be, be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 29. And he says to Peter, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. I'm going to close with that one. So Jesus is walking on the water. The disciples are in the boat and they see Jesus. And they're afraid because they're thinking it's a ghost. It's a, I mean, who walks on water? They're afraid, you know. So Jesus, in the boat, says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. Basically, he's saying, call me to come to you. Jesus says one word to Peter, come. Peter jumps out and Peter is now walking on the water. Right? He's doing the impossible. He's walking on the water. But Peter begins to notice the storm. He starts to look up and around and he sees the waves are big. The sky is grey. Fear sets into Peter. With fear comes doubt. Doubt sets into Peter. Peter begins to sink. Now, he's drowning the question is, will the love of God that's in Christ Jesus rescue a man from drowning? Will the love of God that's in Christ Jesus rescue someone that's in doubt? I know this morning some of us here are in doubt. We don't know whether to serve God completely or not. We don't know whether to be faithful or not. We, 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 we doubting. Do I do the right thing or do I compromise? Many of us are in a place of doubt. Do I go with the way of the system or do I just go with the way of the church or the Bible? We're doubting. Now, when you are doubting, fear sets in. And when fear comes in, the devil has a foothold in your life. And once that foothold is there, the devil doesn't give up easy. Once he's got his foot in your life, it's very hard to pull out. But I come this morning to tell you that Jesus Christ, just like how he would rescue Peter from drowning, can rescue you in your life from doubting and from having fear, purely by his love. His love is like a boat, like a lifeboat reaching out to snatch you back up. As Peter is beginning to sink, Peter says to Jesus, help me, save me. What does the love of God through Christ Jesus does? Reaches out. Oh, ye of little faith. But he pulls him out, not condemning. 
This morning, I know maybe you're in a place where you feel like you're drowning, but the love of God through Christ Jesus is able to rescue you and pull you out of it. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've been praying for like a few years now and still that answer hasn't come. Now doubt has set in. Guess what? The love of God through Christ Jesus is able to answer that prayer. Whatever need it may be, you've tried for years, oh, pastor, please lay hands on me, pray for me, and still that need has not been met. Guess what? The love of God through Christ Jesus is able to meet you at the point of that need and pull you up. And all you've got to do, like Peter, save me, Lord. Like blind Bartimaeus, I want to have my sight. Like the man at Bethesda, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take up my mat. You've got to take initiative. This morning, the impossible can happen, but you've got to believe. There's a story I was told years ago, years ago, by an old lady. She says, there was a man, a preacher man went to the barber. And I think I've told you this a few years ago, I'm not sure. This man goes to the barber to cut his hair. He's at the barber shop. The preacher is sitting there. He's got this barber cutting his hair. You know, preachers are, wherever they go, they've got to start preaching, talking about the love of God and talking about Jesus and whatever. So he starts preaching to the barber. Do you know Jesus loves you, Mr. Barber? He died for you. The barber says to the preacher, I don't believe in God. He says, I don't believe that there can be a God. The preacher's dumbfounded. Why not? That makes no sense. The barber says, well, every day there's accidents on the road and people are dying. God cannot exist. Every day, young infants are abused. God cannot exist. Every day, bad things happen to good people. He says, God does not exist. The preacher is hurt by this. I mean, how does he answer? And of course, in his mind, the preacher prays, God, give me wisdom. The barber cuts his hair. The preacher has got no answer for the barber at the moment. Cuts his hair, the preacher prays. The preacher goes outside the barber shop. Depressed, his heart is sore. He cannot answer this man. As he steps outside, he's walking. The preacher walks past a man that's a beggar. Dirty and matted and stinking. And this beggar has long hair and afro. Got a big beard and moustache. The preacher gets wisdom. Turns there and then back to the barber. Walks in. Mr. Barber, you know what? Barber's like, what are you going to tell me now? He says, I don't believe in barbers. Preacher's like, what's wrong with you? I just cut your hair. Like, no, barbers don't exist. He says, hey, you're making me angry now. I just cut your hair. You just paid. How can you not believe in barbers? He's like, well, Mr. Barber, right outside your doorstep is a man with hair that's so long it hasn't been cut in years. So barbers do not exist. The barber's dumbfounded. The barber's like, you know what? All that man's got to do, man, is come and ask me and I'll cut his hair. And the barber and the preacher says, yes, all you got to do to see God in your life is just ask him to come in and he'll come. This morning, God wants to touch you. God wants to change you and transform you. He wants to meet you at the point of your need. Believe you me, he is here with us. Where two or three are gathered, he is there in the midst. The Bible says so. And so I know when he comes, he doesn't come empty-handed. No, he comes bearing gifts, salvation, healing, deliverance, 
transformation. Whatsoever your heart desires. He has it in perfection. In fact, you think you know what you need. No, God knows even more than what you know. And so this morning he can give it to you. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. But right there in your seat, if you're saying, preach man, I want to touch in my life. I want change in my life. Well, guess what? Right there in your seat, put your hand up and put it down again and I'll pray with you. Thank you. Preach man, I want salvation. Thank you. Put your hand up and put it down again and we'll pray with you. Some hands went up. We're going to trust God for a breakthrough. And of course, you've got to mix it with faith. Faith is believing that God can do it for you. It's not in man. No, it's in Jesus Christ himself. He is more than able. I'm going to stand together with the pastor. Pastor Werner, I'm going to just ask him to just back me up in prayer. And we're going to trust you for that breakthrough. Those who put up their hands, you know who you are. We're going to trust God for that breakthrough.